Welcome to Global Answers. Please join us as we discuss the relevance of God's eternal word relating to events in this day and what it means to you. And now, your host, Lonnie Jenkins. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining us again. We're always delighted to speak to you and share from you, with you, the Word of God. And we've been talking about types and shadows of the Old Testament, and we're going to find that some of those carry right over into the New Testament in the form of parables. And today, with me again in the studio, is our brother and friend Stephen Strew, as you saw him over to my left here. And uh, we're going to throw the ball into his court here, the very first thing, because we want to talk about from the Old Testament perspective, bringing it into the New Testament, how essential it is, Christian friends, that you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's shown in shadow form in the Old Testament, and it brings it into the New Testament, and we may go back and forth just a little bit, but it is absolutely essential. If you, if you follow the prescription that was given to you in the book of Acts, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, Acts 2.38. That's God's promise. But of course, if the doctor writes a prescription, but the pharmacist doesn't fulfill it the correct way, then we may not get the results we want. So the doctor, Jehovah, has written it and put it in Scripture, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But some of the pharmacists out there have uh, twisted the meaning of that a little bit. We want to talk about how important it is that you receive this gift of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Brother Stephen, start with us. Sure, Brother Lenny, and thank you very much for, uh, for the introduction. Um, it did remind me of something that follows on in Acts chapter 2. He says uh, that uh, he gave the prescription on the day of Pentecost, uh, but then he goes on and he says, For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Mm -hmm. And that includes everybody listening to the program today. Mm -hmm. It's not limited uh, by, uh, by country or by language or, or by background. Mm -hmm. It's uh, you follow the prescription and uh, it would last for mm -hmm. the ages to come mm -hmm. as well. Absolutely. Going back then into the former ages, in Leviticus uh, chapter 23, uh, God lays out um, some feasts, seven feasts during the year that Israel uh, had to follow. And uh, they would come together, um, and uh, the oh, King James uses the word convocation. Uh, it would be a holy assembly, and they would um, have certain uh, things that they needed to do during those times and on certain days. So if we go back to Leviticus chapter 23, the one I want to pick up on, uh, because we're wanting to talk about this important uh, topic of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is um, the verses in verse 11. And uh, it says, And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So that's Leviticus 23 verse 11. On the morrow or the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So now we're setting up a, a principle right back here in the Old Testament. It's followed up again um, in verse 16. We were just talking about the day of Pentecost. This again refers to the feast of Pentecost. And just uh, so the viewing audience gets the time frame, the first feast was Passover 
which was accompanied with unleavened bread and then uh, followed with first fruits. And uh, then 50 days after that, and our first fruits would have been the day Jesus resurrected. That was the parallel that was uh, the day of the resurrection, which by the way is also a Sunday, which would be the first day of the week. And uh, this said on the day after the Sabbath, the Sabbath was Saturday, so the day after would be Sunday. The scripture sometimes refers to that as the eighth day of the week. And so uh, say, so, well, week only has seven days, yeah. But if you're having a feast, it would be the eighth continuous day mm. of the feast. That would be the first day of the week. So now in verse 16, he says, unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath, so seven Sabbaths would be 49 days. The day after that, you shall number 50 days, and you shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. You shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two tenth deals, and they'll be baked of fine flour. They shall be bacon with leaven. They are the first fruits unto the Lord. Now we're trying to, to uh, get a pattern from the Old Testament to help us understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus resurrected on the first day of the week. That He was called the first fruits. He was the firstborn of many brethren. He was the, in our technological language today, we might say a prototype. He was the first of many that would follow uh, the same pattern. Now, on the day of Pentecost, we saw the uh, initial production start. And I don't mean to make it sound too technological, but just so we get the idea that we're, we're sons of God, just like Jesus was the Son of God. We're, we're made the same way. The difference is that they baked the bread with leaven on the uh, day of Pentecost. But that day of Pentecost was spoken about in Isaiah. When he says to Isaiah, that's Isaiah 28, he says, um, with stammering lips another tongue will I speak to this people, and this is the rest wherewith I will cause the weary to rest. So there was the resurrection, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection uh, was the beginning of uh, our salvation process. We could not uh, have put off our unrighteousness until we had accepted this sacrifice that was made at Calvary. But that's not where it ended. That was just like the Passover when they left Egypt. They uh, left under the shed blood of a lamb, but that didn't bring them into the promised land. There was still another process that had to take place to bring them into the promised land. That's what we see in the types and the shadows. We see the same types and shadows about Sunday worship. The reason that this first day of the week here is being emphasized or the day after the Sabbath or the eighth day is because that would be the day that Jesus would resurrect. Mm -hmm. And that's our hope. If Jesus had died and stayed in the tomb, we'd be without hope. Mm -hmm. But because he resurrected, uh, we know that uh, uh, we too can, can expect to be uh, delivered from this body of flesh, mm -hmm. as Paul put it. So we're looking for a... Uh, in the natural, we see that there would be a first day of the week that would uh, be a time when life would come into something that was previously dead. That's what Jesus symbolized. We were previously dead in our sins, but there is a life of God that wants to come and live within us. And on the day of Pentecost, which was the eighth day, the 50th day after the resurrection, there was a life that came into the church that the church didn't know of before then. Before Jesus died, the Holy Spirit couldn't come and live in the people. But now, even though there is some leaven, which represents sin in the people, nevertheless, the Holy Spirit can come in according to God's 
process and live in the believer. And maybe you can take it from there, Brother Lonnie. Well, I would like to take the first the three steps, the, the uh, Holy Spirit coming and living in the believer. That's like the final stage of, of a birth in that when we've talked to you so often about how natural types are spiritual and that when a woman is about to give birth to a baby, the first thing that breaks forth is the water, then blood, then the spirit of life comes into the child. And so the same thing in our new birth, we go through the three, the three steps in that our first act of obedience is water baptism. The Bible says we're sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's God cleaning up the vessel so that he can put his life into it. And then the baptism of the Holy Ghost completes the birth cycle. And so then now we are fully born again, child of God. And so that's one, two, three, three said water, blood, and spirit. And so this, the spirit culminates, finalizes the birth of a child of God. Amen. Now, when a person believes on the finished work at Calvary, really believes on the finished work at Calvary, salvation sets in right there. So we're not trying to say you have to have the Holy Ghost to be saved. That isn't the issue. But there are other issues that are very, very important that without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you, you're not a partaker of. For example, by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. So by water baptism, we're just initiated into the local church as a believer. But by spirit baptism, we're baptized into this universal body of Jesus Christ ar around the world. So there's the two categories, which we may get into the wise and foolish virgin, which one had oil, Holy Ghost, the other one did not have oil, no Holy Ghost. And so there's the two categories within the framework of the church. But, but focusing on a subject matter of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that uh, Brother Stephen uh, referred to the book of Isaiah, for with stammering lips and another tongue will I speak to this people. And Isaiah said, and this is the rest. This is the Sabbath. So therefore that which was an Old Testament shadow of a Sabbath day, the seventh day, when the New Testament came forward then, it, it wasn't any longer a day, this Saturday, but rather it becomes a life that we enter into with stammering lips and another tongue while I speak to this people. And this is the rest. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost when the baptism of the Holy Ghost came. It says they all spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave utterance, Acts 2.38. So, so that there's the principle. And let's now, we'll go to Hebrews, book of Hebrews chapter uh, 3. And we'll talk about it a little bit there. I hope this doesn't steal your thunder a little no. bit there, Brother Lonnie. But um, that rest principle, Jesus said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Amen. So That's there's right. a rest that comes from Christ to the believer. Yes. And of course, if you're a believer already, then why would we need another rest if the believing itself was the rest? So Jesus comes to the believer, he says, I will give you rest. Oh, on that subject, that takes my mind then back to Ephesians uh, chapter 1. In whom you also trusted, 1.13, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom whom also after that you believed, you received the Holy Spirit of promise. So, so believing is one thing and receiving the Holy Ghost is two different Amen. things. So Paul points out here, after, after, after. Uh, the, so then after believing, then comes this second experience. So they, I know that a lot of our denominational friends tie the two together that when you believe, you receive. 
but that's not the scriptural pattern. Sometimes people can have an experience like that, but 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 Paul asked them in uh, Acts uh, 19. Yeah, Acts is it at 19? Acts 19. Yeah, with them, he said, "Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed?" And they says, "We didn't even know there was a Holy Ghost." He says, "Well, how were you baptized?" So immediately he tied the concept of water baptism together with, "Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed?" Since you believed. And of course they had not, so then he took them further on into the gospel and they received it. And this stammering lips and another tongue principle is, is entering into a rest. And so we want to understand about this rest. It is not a seventh day, it is not a Saturday worshiper. It is, it is rather something else. So this will explain it to you. Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to start in verse, verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, Today, if you will hear his voice... Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of the temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do err, always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Don't miss those scriptures. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you should be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin in its basic form is unbelief. Sins are mistakes that we make and things we do wrong, but sin is roots right out of unbelief. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. If you separate God into three persons, you can miss what's, what's being said there because the Spirit of Jesus Christ was the Holy Ghost. Amen. Was the Holy Ghost. That's why Jesus said in John, I think, chapter 16, He says, if I don't go, the Comforter can't come. Why? Because He was the holder of the Holy Ghost as long as He was working on earth. But when He finished His work on earth and ascended unto heaven, then He could send that same Spirit back down on, on the church. In fact, come to think of it, we were talking about the Elijah-Elisha principle. Mm. That ties in right there, doesn't it? That does tie in. We also mentioned the ten virgins, the wedding feast. This, this is a common parable that Jesus told. Mm. And the parables are a little bit like shadows because mm. these are events that would have taken place in the natural mm -hmm. and they had a spiritual implication. They don't come out of the Old Testament. They're in the New Testament. But the principle is the same. And Jesus told many parables to illustrate a spiritual principle. One of them, of course, was the, the, uh, the, the person that managed to get into the wedding feast without a wedding garment mm -hmm. on. And yeah. uh, friend, how did you come in? And uh, of course, he was then thrown out of this uh, wedding feast because he didn't have the right garment on. Now, we have to go back to our Old Testament types to see what would have been significant about this garment. Because there's really two kinds of garments uh, in a way. There's the garment of righteousness that we read about in Revelation. They were clothed with white linen, white and clean, which is the righteousness of the saints. But there's another illustration of a cloak or a covering that represents the Holy Spirit, baptism. And that uh, was in the life of Elijah and Elisha. Elisha typed the church. Elijah typed Christ. 
Elisha followed Elijah wherever he went. Elijah would say to him, now you can stay here. I'm going on. Nope, I'm going where you're going. Mm -hmm. And he wouldn't let him out of his sight. Kept his eyes on the word. Kept his eyes on the word and Mm -hmm. he wouldn't let go. And eventually they crossed over the river and then Elijah was caught up in a whirlwind and the fiery chariots and a wonderful story. Um, And at the end of his life, uh, Elisha got to see him going up in the chariot and then his Elijah's mantle fell down, his cloak, his covering fell down and Elisha took that covering and Elijah had promised him that if he gets that cloak, he would have a double portion of the spirit Mm -hmm. that was in him. Mm -hmm. So we could see the same Holy Spirit working in Elijah was now going to be working Mm -hmm. in Elisha. And Elisha takes that mantle and he smites the water. He says, where is the God of Elijah? Mm, Not his own power, not his own strength. Not He was referring back to the original Mm -hmm. where that cloak came from and the waters parted. And so we have that same covering now in the form of the Holy Spirit that has come back on us. Remember Jesus ascended Mm -hmm. up into heaven and he, he said in like manner, the angel said in like manner, he will return. Well, our Elijah has ascended, mm-hmm. but he has left his mantle or cloak of covering mm-hmm. for the church. Right. As long as we keep our eyes on the word, we're entitled. We can have that Holy Spirit baptism. Mm-hmm. In the book of Acts, it says that they saw in the apostles the works of Jesus. They knew Amen. they had been with Jesus because that same mantle had come back on them. Right. Let me go back now. We're in, we're in Hebrews uh, chapter 3, and we're talking about, about the rest Verse 14, and we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So their sinning was they believed not. And so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So that, so there, he refused to give them the rest that they were seeking. In the New Testament, that's in the Old Testament, it's called a new covenant will Amen. I give to my people. And he says, I will place my spirit within you. That actually is the rest, friends that they, they failed to get for them to put the rest, put the rest in there. Now, chap, Hebrews chapter 4. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being less of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Can you believe the promise of God? If you can repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Promise, assurance. Amen. If we're just really to cross Jordan, die to ourselves. Verse 3, chapter, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the, work, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So, of course, with that scripture is repeated, that concept is repeated often because God had the whole thing laid out Amen. in his mind before the foundation of the world. And we're down here in time living out our portion of what God has already ordained. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest... 
Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Again he limited a certain day, saying unto David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, actually that word there is Joshua. If Joshua had given them rest, then would not he afterwards have spoken of another day? So Joshua took him into the promised land, but he didn't give him rest because God has said these unbelievers, I'm not going to give them the rest that I promised. And that's why we find the continual promise of the, the new covenant. And then verse 9, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. The Christian life, friends, is not rules and regulations in government. The Amen. Christian life is yielding to a spirit of life in you, and Christ lives his life out through you. That is the true Christian life. It is not uh, going to church, paying your tithes, doing all these mechanical things, but rather the life of Christ living out through the individual. That is the body of Christ, for by one spirit we're all baptized into one body. Now I'm at Hebrews 4.11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief, for the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature left inside, and so on. It goes. So there, there's our rest, friends, that God commands us we must, we must enter into. And when Paul speaks of this to the church in, in Ephesus, remember we read there in one place where he said that you receive the Holy Spirit of promise after that you believed, after that you believed. It is, a, it is a separate experience from your basic salvation, receiving Jesus as your Savior experience. And then in Ephesians 4.30 it says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of your redemption. So there's a sealing that takes place. And a seal, of course, is placed on a letter when it's ready to be closed up and mailed. It's a finished thing. When they wrote a scroll and closed it up, they sealed it. It was a finished scroll. And then when a king made a declaration and they put that little drop of wax on there and he put his ring into the finger and put his seal on it, his covenant, it's finished. So a seal represents a finished work. So you're sealed unto the day of your redemption. Many people argue over that, can a, can a believer fall away? And one group says, absolutely not. Another group says, certainly. What if they do this? What if they do that? But the answer is clear. Once you're sealed, there is no falling away. God is, does not lose a sealed vessel. They're, they're sealed to the day of their redemption. And we're in that day, friends, whether you recognize it or not, we're in the process of that day for the six seals of the book of Revelation, which is the book of redemption. The Bible, the book of redemption, has been opened to show God's children what their inheritance is. That, that, that day of redemption is started as the will is being read to show us who we are and what we are. Primary purpose of this program is to show you who we are and what we are in Christ. We're the, the, those that can walk in the light as he's in the light have been placed in a position that is far more than saying, I believe, or I go to church. It's far more than that. It's something greater, greater, greater that God is finalizing among us Gentiles here in this last day, finalizing this work because God is about to turn his full attention to the Jews. 
And so then the day of grace will be finished to us Gentiles. And so we're working on the final days, the final allocation of Gentiles, friends. We don't have time to much longer to get ourselves really right, right with Christ. And it is those who are sealed with the baptism of the Holy Ghost that are going into the rapture. Could, Stephen, would you mind pick up on that, maybe in Just relationship to the wise and foolish? Wise and foolish. Well, yeah. <clears throat> going back to to um, to the uh, the Passover, they had to leave Egypt, but then they had to go into the promised land. The interesting thing is that Moses, who represented the works, represented the law, couldn't take them into the promised Correct. land. It took Joshua to do that. Mm -hmm. That's why he says Joshua promised them rest. Well, of course, the promised land in the natural, but in the spiritual, it was the Holy mm -hmm. Spirit. Now the the interesting thing is when Israel was over in the promised land, they never returned to their wilderness wanderings again. Mm, right. they, they, they might look over the Jordan, but they never crossed back over. That's the seal. And that's what Paul said in Hebrews chapter 4 when he said, For he that has entered into his rest, he has also ceased from his own work as God did from his. God ceased from his labors of creation in that first week, never to return back to mm -hmm. them. We can cease from our works of sin and never return back to them. Not uh, that we don't still sin, but the unbelief that prompts the sin can now be replaced with mm -hmm. faith. And that's what the 10 virgins uh, symbolized. The five foolish virgins didn't have the Holy Spirit, didn't have that keeping power, and they fell asleep and then their lamps went out and they didn't have any way to get going again. But once they got, uh, once the wise virgins woke up, they were all asleep. Once the wise virgins woke up, they had extra oil and they went into the, into the wedding feast. And uh, the others came back later and uh, beat on the door demanding to be let in. They didn't know that they shouldn't be allowed in. They thought they were entitled to go in, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Brother Lonnie. The call today is receive the Holy Ghost, friends. This is the age for it. See you next week. We find in John 6.63 that Jesus admonishes us that the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Not the words I spoke unto you, but the words I speak unto you. And that ties right in with 1 John 1, 7, which we remind you of so often. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin and we and God have fellowship one with another. The purpose of this broadcast, as I admonish you so often, is to show you what God is doing in this day and the unfolding of the Word of God in this day. And therein we find our fellowship with God and the cleansing of the blood. And that shocks many because they believe that they can believe in the historical and get the full benefits. Not so. Jesus said the words I speak, present tense. All through the book of Revelation it says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. The Spirit speaks through men. Friends, today's program is one of an eight-part series entitled From Shadow to Reality. This series is available on three DVDs and may be ordered by writing to us at Global Answers, 1695 Stewart Road, Lima, Ohio. Our zip code is 45801 here in the USA. Or you may visit us on the web at globalanswers.us. Please take some time to look around our website. 
you'll find a variety of files for downloading, as well as a link to our resource center containing many Christian books, CDs, and DVDs. Thanks for joining us, and may our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless